Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hello and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Emily. And I'm Christy. We're just two gals in our 20s trying to live our best type 1 diabetic lives. Every week we tackle a new topic from the diabetic perspective. Although we offer tips, we are not medical professionals, but we also offer plenty of anecdotes and general thoughts about how to embrace the type 1 lifestyle on your own terms. It's not always easy to do through all of the literal highs and lows, but it does help to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Christy. And Miriam. Yay! Hey Miriam! Woohoo! Um, Miriam's back. back, guys. We are our favorite doing... episodes is when our third Pancreas Pal is here, so this <laughs> is know. a big day for I us. I mean, everyone's a pal, don't feel excluded, but also, like, Miriam's a gem, and we need our mental health counselor person, expert, here. I love I don't know, being I can't here. speak today. Oh my god, you're a fave. But also, we have a lot of faves. Shout out to Elliot Gatt. We need to get you back on. Anyways, so this week's episode, I know you guys are all waiting and anticipating (laughs) what it's going to be, and we have just had so much success and outreach from all of our Dating with Diabetes stuff that I thought it would be really cool. Christy thought it too. Everyone's on the same page, hopefully. We think it would be really cool if we did an episode based on like the actual logistics of, you know, the fears and the anxieties of shooting up in front of someone if you're on MDI, like Christy, multiple daily injections or if you are changing your pump like me or you know even finger pricking things things make me anxious so I know they got to make someone else anxious out there and especially for those kiddos in high school who are listening it's going to be okay you're going to find yourself a nice significant other who will not pass out at the sight of blood because really that's that's a big indicator of someone who can't handle diabetes so Miriam, yes. welcome. And Thank Christy, you. I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Let's just get this ball rolling. All when right. did you, I know, right? When did both of you, I, we're all obnoxiously in relationships in Mazel Tov to Miriam because she's like an adult out of all of us. So well, I am quite She's old. like probably, you are not old. Uh, Miriam is like in her 20s, just like the rest of us. So. <laughs> She's not old. I have because, been admiring you know, still young. your decorations because I know that you just moved in oh, thank with you. your boyfriend a while ago. I've been looking at the decorations my behind you. Decor. That's what I need in my life. Thank you. That kind of effortless decor. Yes, for those. Yeah, nothing to do it with just diabetes. screams. Thank you. It just looks great. Thank you. Thank Maybe you. Maybe we'll post a picture of Miriam's wall and we'll put it. Up. <laughs> That'll be a good plug for this week. So check out our Instagram at pancreas underscore yes. pals. For those listening, um, we're all like Google Hangouting, so they see my background. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like. Hey, Google, want to sponsor us? <laughs> We're big proponents of Google Hangouts. Um, okay, so when did this, – this question kind of goes out to Miriam because she's had mm-hmm. it the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to refresh everyone on how old you were when you were diagnosed, now would sure. be the time. Uh, I was diagnosed when I was six. Um, so I was diagnosed in kindergarten. So it was interesting because I just like go into my spiel what – what kind of popped into my head as you were introducing this episode was I grew up in this school system where everyone, one, everyone knew each other. I mean, there was a lot of, it was a, not a tiny school, but 
it's a small elementary school, so we all knew each other. We all, everyone kind of knew I had diabetes. I was diagnosed in kindergarten, and they would come to speak at my school to explain to all the other students what, what this meant. So it was never an issue growing up of having to explain it to people. Like, people just kind of knew that was a thing. Um, but then going into middle school and high school, and I guess especially high school, as like you're introduced to other people and new people and new social situations. Um, and I got my first insulin pump uh, when I was in, actually I was in middle school in seventh grade. All of a sudden it's a lot more visible than it used to be. So even though people knew, it's you're still kind of naked. You don't have all these extra parts on you. So if you're just walking down the street, no one's going to say like, oh, she's got stuff attached to her. Not that they necessarily say that with a pump either, but sometimes <laughs> they could. Like there are situations in which you can see your CGM, you can see the insulin pump. So I think it kind of brought on a whole new way of living with diabetes when you have these things attached to you. And especially in high school when you're already insecure and so aware of your body going through puberty and and so many just issues with being a high schooler in general so having this chronic illness that can have these things attached to you and that requires you to do things in public it was just like a whole other level of insecurity and anxiety Um, I bet and I'm sure, I think a lot of people can probably relate. Even though I grew up with these people who knew I had diabetes, I would get very insecure, mostly in high school, of checking my blood sugar in public. Um, I just didn't, I think a lot of it was I didn't want to deal with it. I just wanted to be a normal high schooler. And a second part of it was every time you pull out your meter at a dinner table, if you're going out to dinner with friends, it's now a conversation. It's like, oh, and you're opening yourself up to whatever comments they choose to make or jokes I'm saying in quotation they they think are funny um (laughs) so they think are funny yeah they so I think it was just much easier to avoid it um and to not it's dangerous and it's dangerous absolutely but that's kind of the high school high schooler mindset um but then yeah and that kind of goes into college as well I think but eventually you get comfortable enough that it's like well screw this I I care about myself um but it pops up all the time there's times even you know if I get a new job and having to do it for the first time in front of coworkers, like it's still not even dating specific just social life it's specific it, it's anxiety provoking so that's my spiel and Christy you, can... you were we love your spiel oh, thank you I mean I, I relate mm-hmm. to an extent because you know I've you know, plug for season one, episode one, take a listen to Christy and my diagnosis stories, uh, similar in being a little bit later in life, but Christy's was terrifying. So if you want a horror film, definitely go listen to that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) she's made it guys. That's what counts. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember sitting and having like a meal with a friend in the dining hall, like very, very recently after I was diagnosed and I would be pricking my finger and he was like do you have to do that at the table and I was like we're not friends anymore <laughs> it's like I don't need this negativity we are still friends like and I hope he understands what what I mean when I say that like it, it took me aback in a way that made me realize he's a nice guy but he he wasn't exposed to it and he didn't understand which is something that I find in dating I've I've you know he was just a friend but I've I've gone on dates with a number of guys that just don't understand and I 
you know, my health comes first, as it should for everyone, especially those with type 1. And I'm not going to sit there and be nervous about, you know, pricking my finger in front of you because that's that the truth is that's the beginning that's gonna happen every day yeah I think the biggest evolution I think with diabetes in my relationship I used to not hide it on purpose I think I've mentioned this before like I've always been someone in my own apartment I'll go into my room to test my blood sugar and take my insulin morph because like I keep all of my stuff Mm -hmm. in little like packs like I I don't feel the need to like bring that out just to then have to go put it back but as Zach and I shout out Zach hello um (laughs) as we have done more traveling and whatnot together it's kind of necessary for him to know where I'm at and I think he's gotten curious about what different numbers mean because I I know he knows the concept Mm -hmm. of what a high number is and he knows the concept of what a low number is but I think it's very easy to think about those things in terms of extremities Mm -hmm. so I think the first couple of times I was like in the 80s I think it was like oh my god that's really close to being low but like but it's not low Mm -hmm. and you can see that I'm fine so you kind of have to get used to exactly what the different numbers or understanding the difference between like a 180 which is like you might correct for is different than like a 350 which you're gonna feel like crap um, mm-hmm. Those are both right. technically high, depending highs. on your range, but they're very different types of highs. Um, so mm-hmm. that is yeah. a good point. One is livable. Reeducate. One is right. One is like borderline mm-hmm. FDA approved to an extent. <laughs> like you, you can be okay with that. And the other one is, oh no, you definitely need to correct. Exactly. So, yeah, I, and yeah. I think just letting him even look at my meter mm-hmm. when I check my blood sugar because a lot of times, like when I go home to New Jersey. I think, especially because I was diagnosed later, it is always good for my mom to, like, check in to see where I'm at when I'm physically there, Mm -hmm. because it's always been something she's been a little bit disconnected from. I did have, like, I was diagnosed before my senior year of high school, but that year was just such a learning curve that she never observed me for, like, a long period Mm -hmm. of time when I was in a good place, because I only, like, settled out of my honeymoon phase and really kind of got my stride in college. Mm -hmm. So when I come home, I think, you know, she is comfortable asking, like, oh, like, what's your number at? How are you feeling? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when I travel, I also get lows. So I think it's also her way of kind of, like, yeah. seeing what's going on there, which is fair. Because, you know, if I'm having a low in your household, you're allowed to know about that. But I think <laughs> it's it under my roof. It o- <laughs> under my roof. But, you know, I think it made it okay for Zach to finally start asking questions because I think all he really knew for the first, I'm going to say, half of our relationship was, like, Christy knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. But, right. like, even within that, that doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. Like, yeah. I think yeah. when I tried to explain to him, this is a disease I have and this is what I deal with daily, but I have it, like, under control, like, mm-hmm. as under control as one can have it. I think in his mind, that just always meant that, like... Oh, you're like, fine. Yeah. yeah like, mm-hmm. just nothing bad would ever happen because I'm generally healthy, but, like, I get sick. Mm-hmm. I have bad days. Mm-hmm. You know, unexpectedly, I've sat down and been like, oh, why am I 250? And, of course, like, I think a big number like that sounds very alarming at first, but, you know, then you correct uh-huh. and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all of these things that I know how to make it okay again, I think, especially for someone that you've just started dating or who's just getting used to all the nuances hearing a high number and hearing a low number it just sounds so extreme and you know it's not like 
they necessarily need comforting, but I think the more you're willing to explain to them, the less of a panic it has to be the next time. Mm-hmm. And I, it's interesting. I find myself even, I mean, obviously I've been with my boyfriend a long time. I've had this a long time, but there are still times when I'm about to check my blood sugar. I know it's going to be high because maybe I feel crappy and I know I ate something I shouldn't have, whatever. And I will find myself like sort of hiding my Dexcom or hiding my meter from him because I don't want him <laughs> to see. Because it's, He's there's also a shame a doctor, associated though. with the high... Yeah, but there's a shame associated with a high number when it's, which is a whole other, you know, episode we could talk about. But there is, you get that weird sense of shame, like you should know better sort of feeling. And obviously he doesn't care. He understands it. He he gets it. But yeah, it's like old habits die hard. That's the kind of thing you don't want people saying like, oh, well, you know, why, why is that? Or what could you do? Or like, are you okay? It's like, I don't want the questions. I know, I know it's high. I know why it's high. Just like, leave me alone. And it is such mm-hmm. a tangible piece of you treated yourself mm-hmm. and like there's almost this little yeah. punishment that comes after it and it's different dealing it, with it, it has a negative yourself mm-hmm. and you can decide if you're on your own time like okay I have a high number I should have a lower card uh-huh. dinner but like if you already have plans to like go on a date yeah. or like have this other big have meal sushi and you have name. a high number yeah. yes it's it's a whole other thing because then you have to spend like an extra minute at the dinner table calculating. Like I can't tell you how many times Zach and I have sat down to dinner and he is halfway through his meal before I've started oh. because I need to take an extra minute and decide like exactly how much insul- mm-hmm. insulin I should yeah. take because you Math know oh, am I have a glass. Am I going to have a glass of wine with this? Is this the last time mm-hmm. I'm probably eating for the night? Like mm-hmm. I have to calculate all of those things before I inject. So he's probably like halfway through his burger when I've like taken my first bite or often I notice it's I like, they're, like they're like talking to you and you're totally zoned out because it's all you're thinking yeah. I'm like doing the math in my exactly. head I'm thinking and then they're like asking me a question I'm like huh what <laughs> sorry I was doing my own thing it is yeah it's a struggle I mean another thing to think about though Miriam and I are on the Dexcom and Miriam I don't know I mean did you end up I don't know if you ended up sharing with uh with Steven did you? This is a personal thing to be asking. My data. Oh, I, I shared my Dexcom data with Steven. Um, he ended up turning off the notifications for it, though, so he doesn't get, like, notified if something's wrong, but he likes to check in sometimes. What's, what's the point? <laughs> he just, like, like if he's, like on, if he's, in, like, on an over... Point. Yeah, if he's, like, overnight at the hospital, he says he'll check in every once in a while. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, Rich, for some reason... So Rich, Rich now gets my Dexcom notifications, and um, he'll check in every now and then. Like, I'll get a text from him if I had, like, a rough night the night before, and I'm sitting at work, and I'll get a text from him being like, oh, you're looking great this morning. <laughs> like, you're doing so much better. Like, keep up the good work. Um, it's so – it's interesting, though. I guess it's something to bring up with Dexcom, but, like, he doesn't always get the notifications. Like, I was 50 two nights ago, and he didn't get a notification. So – you know, he, I texted him. I was like, did you get a notification? He was like, no. So that's, you know, that's something in itself. But yeah. I don't want anyone to feel like they have to keep checking up on me. So it's there's a fine line between having the technology, using the technology, and just, you know, taking a step back and realizing that I'm fine without the technology. Like, okay, maybe I have a ton of anxiety, but I don't want to project that onto Rich. I don't want that to be, like, something, like, my my parents 
you know, love them to death. They're super supportive. But I was diagnosed again, you know, when I was 20. So they're not super in the know with what certain numbers mm-hmm. mean. So if I have a giant slice of pizza and then I'm like 250, like 30 or an hour later, and I still have like three units of insulin on board, like I know I'm going to be fine, but they think that's, you know, a huge mm-hmm. number. And like we were talking about that guilt, I don't want that to transfer over into my relationship. And I don't think anyone wants that. And again, Miriam, I'm still so baffled by the fact that you're dating a doctor because <laughs> I just feel like I constantly be like, oh my God, don't look at my numbers. But, uh, you know, there's, they love you. Mm-hmm. There's that line that at the end of the day, they just want you to be healthy and happy. And if you're living your life at 200 and, you know, doctors probably don't want you to be doing that. But if you're, if that's where you need to be like for a few hours of the day to be sane, then that's fine. And that's something that, I think can be taught in a relationship. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I have to be within 80 to 150 at all mm-hmm. times. Like that, that never, I don't know about you guys, but it's not realistic. That seldom yeah. happens for me unless I'm sleeping. I'm on, yeah. I'm on the move too much. Mm-hmm. I, I think exactly. if I had, it's why I stick to the old school methods, at least for now, we'll see what happens in the future. But for right now, I am too anxious to know what my numbers are on like the constant glucose monitor. I think that would drive me absolutely crazy I think especially because I'm not on the pump so I can't turn off my basal when I do things like work out mm-hmm. and whatnot so like I purposely have to get my blood sugar higher before mm-hmm. I go work out and if everyone got an alert I'm good driving nuts like I I do not need to text 10 different people like no I'm just going to the gym yeah or like you know even in the context of like dating and spending the day out I kind of let myself run a little bit higher if I know we're going to be doing a lot of walking. I don't know when the next meal is coming. You know, I'll I'll drop it a unit or two. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's something yeah. that I would like to decide on my own. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I, I mean, try wh- to, it is important. Tr- it's important to to know though that, like, for me, I could never have people being alerted to my high numbers because that happens way too much. So I only give out alerts for super low numbers, anything below 55 for most of my family members. So there's peace of mind in that, but it doesn't always catch it, you know? Like, Riches didn't get it the other night. I don't think my parents did either, but I was sitting at 55 for like a solid 30 minutes, 40 minutes. So it's like, okay, that's something to look at. But um, still love my decks. But yeah, I mean, if I had texts from rich when I was like at 300 after having two rolls of sushi um then that's something that's you know like I wouldn't want that mm-hmm. and I I mean I guess it's like a personal thing I never shared my Dexcom data because I didn't really feel a need to I, I mean I guess it's because I've had this so long it was didn't feel important I didn't like it just was something so foreign to me I more shared it with Steven because it's like in theory you you can share this data, and I like wanted him to want it. Um, so it's like I guess it's I, it's nice every once in a while when he texts me. But I'm with you, Christy. I I I I'm already thinking about it too much. I think I'd feel more anxious if if other people were were texting me about it. But that again is a personal thing. Um, yeah, I'm at least more comfortable talking about mm-hmm. it these days because when I think about my original routine when Zach would come over. Like, I would get up in the middle of the night and I would keep juice boxes in the bathroom so that, mm-hmm. like, if I had to treat a load Oh, you wouldn't wake him up or something. I wouldn't have to wait. Like, it would just be something I could deal with and he would have no mm-hmm. idea. 
Like, I prefer a cold juice box, and I have a fridge, so <laughs> there's really no reason for me not to do that these days because I'm so much more comfortable just like, yes, I'm having a low, I need to have this juice box. Mm-hmm. But it it does take a certain comfortability, and I don't think it's... I mean, I'll compare it to letting someone have access to your numbers all the time, mm-hmm. but it is just kind of a, a trust thing that they're going to... They're going to look at your numbers as something for you mm-hmm. to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and if it is a low and they want to check in that you're taking care of the low, especially overnight, like that's one thing. But you have to trust that they're not going to like slap you on the wrist verbally, of course, like every time you go above 200. Exactly. It's important. But also, I mean, what were when did you Christy this is a question for you Mm. when did you first let Zach you know not necessarily let but when did Zach first see you shoot up do (laughs) an injection um well this is like a bad answer but probably not until like a month in because the first few times we hung out I feel like I had mentioned it to him but it wasn't something I discussed. Like, I think he, he saw my bracelet or something like that. Um, I had mentioned it super briefly, but we didn't actually start talking about it until I think he saw me have my first low, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, these days, I really don't care, but it's crazy how long I went. I'm going to say I went, like, a month to a month and a half without him ever having seen me do a shot. Because, like I said, I would just kind of, like, go in my room, take care of it, and come back out. I don't know what he thought I was doing that whole time. <laughs> Um, But it's also very easy, you know, when you're having, like, a formal date at a dinner table. Like, I was able to do everything just kind of under the table, very sly. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I could inject in my thigh and I could test on my lap. And I don't know, kind of like Miriam has said, you do reach a point where something that is so a part of your day-to-day, it is exhausting to take the, like, little hiding steps. Because it is more comfortable for me to do it on the table and... You know, then of course, I remember one time um, I had just done a finger prick, and I guess I had gone like a little bit too deep into my finger, mm-hmm. so my finger kept bleeding, and I didn't realize when I like went to get my water glass that like there was a streak of blood on it. <laughs> like, so you know, you can try to hide these things as best you can, but whether or not you're ready to disclose them, like he was always going to see me have a low at some mm-hmm. point. He was always going to like have to see my finger blood, so. <laughs> So you, you just know, felt like, I'll just wait till it happens and cross that bridge when we get there. Exactly. And I think we got there probably, like, a month, a month mm-hmm. and a half in. Um, like, he's always welcome to know my numbers these days. Um, and I'm glad he's more comfortable to ask. And I think he's trying really hard to know what the numbers mean. But for, like, the first couple of months, it's just... It almost feels like it's going to open up too big a can of worms. And I just... I wasn't sure how long those conversations were going to be, mm-hmm. how much he was going to know. I wasn't sure if I said too much, if it was going to scare him. Yeah, exactly. I think there's yeah. the anxiety of dating. You really like this person and you want them to fully accept everything. And you, because you don't quite know what their reaction will be, you don't, you want to, it's easier to avoid that conversation sometimes than kind of open yourself up to, well, what if they react badly? And, and like, that's a deal breaker. So... Which has mm-hmm. happened. That's happened to me before, and that's why I'm not dating that person, yeah. you know? 
I mean, sometimes you, you meet a lot of frogs before you meet someone that's a... Uh, the prince. That's a good person. Mm-hmm. The prince, the for prince, lack of a will. better word. Yeah, I think Rich it's just... Rich is no prince. <laughs> he has a really nice flannel on. I feel like I need to stop referencing visual things that our <laughs> listeners can't see. He does have a really nice flannel on. Um, but I think, really, it's about finding that balance that, yes, this is our relationship, but this is still my... Thing. disease mm-hmm. it's still my and it goes back to the thing. burdens of the burden episode you know like it's it's no one's burden it's your own thing and it goes back to everything we talked about in this episode really it's it, the the notifications the the checking at night all that stuff it's all your responsibility like I have never it's your disease it's your body no one knows your body better than you do I mean I've had doctors that say that to mm-hmm. me it's very it's true and no one knows your psyche better than you do so I can't sit here and tell you oh this is when you should disclose Mm -hmm. something this is when you should like after this many weeks you should feel comfortable uh, changing your insulin pump in front of someone or showing them your Dexcom or showing them whatever I think as long as you're confident in yourself and you're happy with yourself it doesn't matter what other people think how they react and I think that's something that's so true and can really resonate in every part of your life diabetes aside but it's important to to take control of that that narrative so if if I at least for me so I I told Rich everything really, really, really at the beginning because it was something I was insecure about, but he understood. And, you know, that's why we're still dating today. Well, one of the few reasons, many reasons. He's sitting over here going, it's the only reason, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But it varies. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Miriam, Christy, you guys all have experience with it. It does. And I think, I mean, if there are high schoolers listening, I think something I thought a lot about at that age was... Will I ever, like, find someone who gets it or understands? Or is it always going to be this, like, private secret thing? And, like, (laughs) these people do exist. Like, I think (laughs) I know so many type 1 diabetics that have significant others. Um, Never, ever have I heard someone, like, breaking up with someone because all of a sudden they were, like, over over dealing with diabetes. I mean, usually if that's going to be the case, you won't start dating them in the first place. It's... You will find True. someone and it weeds the bad ones out. Yeah, exactly. You're never you're never gonna be in a relationship and then someone breaks up with you halfway through because you know what, I, I decided diabetes is too much or it's I don't get it. Um <laughs> I decided this today. Yeah, it's it's you I woke up this w- morning and didn't want to see yeah, it. There are regular <laughs> pancreas people who get it and are open and understanding <laughs> and like just like you were you know, had a functioning pancreas one day and then all of a sudden you didn't and had to learn these things. People can learn that with you. Um, so it's never going to be this huge... You like you will find someone. I think that's something I would have wanted to hear when I was in high school. That's beautiful, Miriam. Thank yeah. And clear, so, clearly she, she, she's not lying. Yourself. She's not lying to you because three out of three of us are sitting yeah. here. Found our people. Oh my God, ew. And all of, them, all of them yeah. have functioning pancreas. Pancreati. They're all <laughs> pancreatically mm-hmm. capable. It's true. It's true. Hashtag blessed. All right, guys, it's, we're nearing that, uh, that oh, wow. time, and I just wanted to thank Miriam so much for coming on we love and you. talking to us. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you're always welcome, obviously. Love being on. <laughs> okay, so be sure to check us out on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals. Um, you know what? Let's, we're going to upload a picture of Miriam's oh my ball gosh. for everyone to I'm see. I'm not going to be in the picture, though, because I look kind of 
Oh, that's right fine. Now. That's just it's You're really beautiful. the vibe I've been trying to achieve and I have yet to find anything right. for like my behind the couch <laughs> wall. So I, I need this inspiration so right now. I'm very flattered. I want it. Okay. I want okay. it. Oh. oh yes, blessed. So again, thank you. Follow us on Facebook at Pancreas Pals PP. Uh slide into our DMs on either and email us at pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. Stay tuned for some really fun things in the works. We are nearing the end. I can't believe this. I know. Um, season, season two. It's crazy. Have, I know. Going by so fast. We all grow <laughs> up. Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, stay tuned. Download on iTunes. Follow us on our blog at pancreaspals.com. And keep up the good work, pals. Have a great week. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Pals out. <laughs>